Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeart Podcasts, and how the tech are you? It is time for the tech news for Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. First up, last week I mentioned that the company WeWork was rumored to be headed for bankruptcy. Now the company has filed for bankruptcy. So at its height, WeWork was worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 47 billion with a B dollars. Currently it's worth less than 50 million dollars. That is an incredible fall from grace. WeWork is uh, not actually a tech company. It was treated like one. It was treated like it was a tech startup. But, you know, it really is just all about buying or leasing office space and then subleasing that to customers. WeWork was already in a rough spot before the pandemic even hit. And obviously, in the wake of the pandemic, corporate America has changed its approach to work in quite a few places. So this doesn't actually mean that WeWork is totally going to go out of business. That's not what bankruptcy means. What it means is that the company is going to receive protection against its various creditors because it's in deep, deep debt. And reps are saying that the plan is to reorganize the company and to have as little disruption in business as possible. While it will likely have to get rid of certain properties, you know, sell them off or, or cancel leases or whatever. They want to keep as many properties in operation as possible. At least that's what the reps are saying. Personally, I think WeWork's business plan has never been super strong. The whole concept isn't a new one. 
and it typically has pretty small profit margins. So I'm not saying it's impossible for WeWork to find stability, but I'm personally pretty pessimistic about it. OpenAI held its first developer conference yesterday. They called it Dev Day. And early on, OpenAI kicked things off by giving developers an incentive to make apps built on top of the GPT technology through a $500 credit. The company showed off some new capabilities to developers, including a simplified way to create customized GPT agents using natural language, which is pretty incredible, really. OpenAI is also going to launch an online store where developers will be able to sell their custom GPT agents to customers. The company also announced it would offer protection to developers against copyright infringement claims. So OpenAI says it will cover costs for those kind of legal claims against developers. The company also announced that it hit a huge milestone of 100 million weekly users. And it sounds like things are just getting started, which I'm sure is a source of anxiety for a lot of creative types out there who are already concerned that models like GPT may be devouring their work and ultimately will set up technologies that compete directly against them. Tech Explorer's Rob Nichols has an article titled, Do You Trust AI to Write the News? It already is, and not without issues. So in this article, Nichols tells the story of how Microsoft reposted an article that was originally published in The Guardian. So in the repost of this article, Microsoft also enabled an AI generative tool that automatically created a poll and connected it to the news story. Unfortunately, this news story was about the murder of a young woman in Australia named Lily James, and the poll was asking readers to speculate about the nature of her death, which is absolutely horrifying, right? It's clearly negligent on the part of Microsoft to allow that through. And The Guardian had no involvement with the use of this AI tool. As Nichols points out, media companies are experimenting with AI to generate stuff like polls because polls are proven to boost engagement. But they also take time away from staff. I'm reminded of when I was working for HowStuffWorks.com and we would have things like quizzes and uh, galleries and this kind of stuff that took a lot of time to create. They did create a lot of engagement, which is why the company loved them so much. But it meant that we weren't actually spending time doing stuff like researching and writing articles, which is really what most of us wanted to do. So why not offload those kinds of, of somewhat mindless tasks to AI? As the story indicates, the subject matter of the news article is incredibly important. Nichols goes on to reference various media companies that are even going a step further. They're leaning on AI to actually generate articles, not just supplemental material, but full-on news articles. And I've talked in the past about, again, how my former employer, HowStuffWorks, did that for HowStuffWorks articles. I have not actually been back to the website for a few months now to see if that's still the case, but that's what it was like in the summer. Nichols argues that AI's shortcomings can create unfortunate, tragic, and even dangerous consequences. And I think that's right on the money. With a very strong editorial staff, you could potentially weed out articles that are misleading or harmful. But at some point, you're asking editors to act both as an editor and as a writer to rewrite pieces. And then you start getting into these 
unmanageable workloads. So I'm not entirely convinced that it even makes sense from a business perspective. It certainly isn't going to help things like editorial morale. Meanwhile, the news division of CBS has launched a unit dedicated to investigating things like deepfakes and misinformation, particularly from generative AI. The unit has the name CBS News Confirmed, and it will have actual real-life human beings at the helm, thankfully. Claudia Milne and Ross Dagan are going to oversee the department. The company is looking to hire experts in journalism and AI. Again, this is really encouraging, y'all. I mean, not to get on a soapbox, but journalism in general has taken a real bad hit over the last couple of decades. And to see a company say, no, we want experts in journalism and in artificial intelligence so that we are taking a responsible and accountable approach toward reporting on this kind of stuff. I think that's a huge step in the right direction. And moreover, this is something that's arguably already a necessity because generative AI tools are pretty sophisticated and they are widely distributed and they are largely unregulated. So it is something that we do need to be put in place in order to prevent harm from being you know, committed across entire populations. Microsoft announced a partnership with InWorld AI to create Xbox developer tools that, well, I mean, with InWorld AI, I'm sure you've already guessed it. They're going to integrate AI in various ways in the game development cycle. So the idea is that developers will be able to create AI-powered elements in their games, including stuff like AI-generated stories and quests and even characters. Tom Warren of The Verge wrote about this, and his piece actually surprised me because originally I assumed that these AI tools would only cover the actual game development phase on the back end, that developers would be able to use these tools to flesh out content in a game while the human writers would focus on the most important parts of the game. So your human writers might be crafting a really satisfying and emotional story, right? And you might offload things like random NPC conversations to your AI so that you're not spending a ton of time just generating lines that players may or may not ever encounter. But according to Warren, the tool will also allow, quote, an AI character engine that can be integrated into games and used to dynamically generate stories, quests, and dialogue, end quote. Now, Maybe my interpretation is off, but by my reading, that sounds like it could mean that you could have these active within a game, not just in the game development, but in the game itself. So that as you're playing the game, you are encountering characters who are dynamically generating dialogue at that moment, as opposed to having done it during the game development phase. And then humans say, yes, let's include that in the game or no, that doesn't really work. Let's strike it. If it's something that's truly dynamic, then it may be like in the game itself. So you could have a conversation with a character and it could be totally different than someone else who's playing the game and having a conversation with that same character. That to me is really interesting. Now, that's assuming that my interpretation is correct and I could be wrong. But if I am right, that means that we could see an end to NPC spouting off the same lines over and over, which would mean that we would have no more memes like I used to be an adventurer like you and then I took an arrow to the knee. 
Microsoft said that developers will determine if and to what extent they'll use AI. So it's not like this is mandated. And obviously, this is also a very sensitive topic. You can frame this as a way for developers to make better use of their time and to be more efficient. But you could also frame this as a way to take work away from people, right? Whether it's a voice actor with a simulated voice or game developers uh, or, you know, writers, etc. There's this deep concern that some game studios could choose to go with the cheaper AI option rather than to pay, you know, those pesky human beings to do the work. And among gamers, there's also a concern that AI generated games will not measure up to the top tier of titles that human beings have made in past years. On Saturday, XAI, the artificial intelligence startup from ex-obsessed Elon Musk, launched a chatbot called Grok, G-R-O-K. If you're curious what sets Grok apart from other chatbots, well, to the shock of absolutely no one, it's a bit of a potty mouth. It takes a more grouchy and vulgar approach to answering questions, almost as if the chatbot is insulted that's being bothered to answer those questions in the first place in some cases. Elon Musk was very coy about, gosh, I wonder who decided that the chatbot should have an attitude. Anyway, XAI has indicated that the actual chatbot will have a couple of different modes. It will have the fun mode, which presumably is the one that has all the attitude. And then I'm guessing it'll have an alternative that'll be a little more straightforward and standard, something that's more in line with the other chatbots that you can find out there. Musk's plan is to release the chatbot to ex-premium subscribers once it emerges from beta, which is pretty darn funny because for ages, Musk has argued that one of the biggest problems with Twitter are the bots, and now he's releasing one to Twitter. But whatever. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be back with some more news in just a moment. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. 
That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. So Lucas Ropek of Gizmodo has an article titled Cruise Robotaxis Require Remote Human Assistance Every Four to Five Miles. As that headline suggests, it has been a bumpy road for the autonomous taxi company. And you got to remember, Cruise is also owned by General Motors. Uh, just recently, the state of California revoked Cruise's license to operate autonomous vehicles due to concerns that the company vehicles were, quote, an unreasonable risk to public safety, end quote. This news story is that apparently staff at Cruise frequently have to intervene and provide what is called remote assistance to Cruise vehicles due to the tendency to encounter situations that the vehicles aren't able to navigate. Tiffany Testo, spokesperson for Cruise, said this happened every four to five miles of travel among the company's vehicles. So not four to five miles per vehicle, but rather across the fleet, every four to five miles, there was a need to provide remote assistance. Uh, Ultimately, the story seems to reinforce that we're still a pretty good ways from a future of truly autonomous vehicles and that human intervention is still a necessary component. I will add that it wasn't very clear what extent that assistance goes to, right? Whether it's just providing a little bit of data and then the car takes care of everything else itself, or if it goes so far as to require remote operations. TikTok is ending its creator fund on December 16th. So in case you're not aware, the creator fund is a pool of money. Currently, it is valued at around $2 billion. And TikTok uses that pool of money to issue payments to creators who generate a ton of videos from their their work. So, or a ton of views, I should say, for their videos. So the whole idea was this would be a direct way for TikTok stars to monetize their work. Because in the past, they really had to hustle, right? They could go viral, but there was no way to make money off of that unless they also like landed a sponsorship deal with a third party. The creator fund was meant to be a more direct path to monetization, but it didn't get very good reception. Lots of creators complained that when they did receive a payout, it was pennies on the dollar. They were barely making any money at all, and it wasn't worth the amount of work, nor did it reflect the tremendous number of views some of these folks were stacking up. So that program is going to go away on December 16th. However, TikTok does have an alternative in place called the Creativity Program, and it sounds to me like it's pretty similar to the Creator Fund, except this one is specifically focused on longer form videos, stuff that's at least, you know, a, a longer than a minute. And 
Uh, I'm not sure if this also means that TikTok will be better when it comes to storing creator data. It came to light earlier this year that some creator financial data, like personally identifying and and very uh, uh, private financial data of creators was being stored on servers in China. This was despite the fact that TikTok representatives had been claiming that all that kind of information would only be on servers in the United States or in Singapore. But Forbes investigated this and found that at least some of it was showing up on servers in China, which is concerning. Sony is following Microsoft's lead by discontinuing the PS4 and PS5 integrations with X, also known as Twitter. Microsoft ended integration for the Xbox way back in April. Uh, Sony has not commented on the reason for ending integration with X, but if I had to guess, I would say it has something to do with X's change to its API or application programming interface. So back in April, Twitter at that time shut down most of the features that were found in the free tier of its API. Uh, Instead, they introduced these very hefty paid tiers and the enterprise level tier had potentially really hefty price tags. Wired reported last May that some companies could be looking to pay as much as $42,000 a month in order to make use of this enterprise API. So assuming Sony was incurring substantial fees to allow for X integration, it's no wonder that they've decided to shut it down now. It's more surprising that it actually stuck around half a year longer than Xbox did. So that's something. Now, you might remember that Epic Games, the maker of the insanely popular title Fortnite, got into a massive legal battle with Apple regarding how Apple handles payments within iOS. That is still not fully resolved because while a judge ruled mostly in Apple's favor, the judge did give Epic some considerations, that that whole case is now headed toward the U.S. Supreme Court to weigh in on it. Meanwhile, Epic is now pursuing a similar legal strategy against Google. So like Apple, Google's strategy in mobile is to funnel payment options through Google itself, and that allows Google to take a commission, sometimes as large as 30% per payment. Epic argues that Google's policies are anti-competitive and that they hurt consumers and they drive up prices. Whether the court will follow the path that the Apple lawsuit took remains to be seen. Complicating matters is the fact that Google is currently in the hot seat with the U.S. government in a much larger antitrust investigation. You know, I've often talked about how the way NFTs got rolled out was a total disaster, that while I don't necessarily think NFT technology has no place in the world, the way it has been introduced was really, really dumb. Uh, they didn't really amount to much more than a digital receipt, despite promises that NFTs were going to enable all sorts of interesting implementations. Instead, it just became a speculative circus that ultimately ended in disillusionment, with the tech's reputation suffering a massive and maybe even fatal blow. But despite all that, there are still true believers out there. Some of them are pretty badly burnt. And I don't mean that they were burnt by NFT values crashing. I mean, they literally got burnt. You see, in Hong Kong, there was this big event called Ape Fest, which was for devotees of the Bored Ape Yacht Club NFTs. And while there, a bunch of attendees reported that they later suffered really bad pain. Some of them even weren't able to see and 
While I haven't seen any definitive proof about the matter, the speculation is that the venue hosting this event was using these powerful UV lights as part of its lighting rig, and those lights overexposed attendees to UV radiation. So they essentially got sunburnt inside, and they even suffered burns to their eyes. According to Jess Weatherbed of The Verge, a totally different event in Hong Kong that happened way back in 2017 had a similar problem. Folks discovered that the venue was using UV lights that were meant to be used to disinfect stuff. So they were emitting UV at a much higher intensity than, say, your average black light. Now, just to be real here, I'm wishing everyone affected a swift recovery because it just sounds awful. And that's it for the tech news today for November 7th, 2023. I hope you are all well, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.